2: Romans chapter 11. The question is, can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? Now, remember as Paul writes this, that he is writing to a predominantly Gentile crowd or fellowship. And from their perspective, they're they're worshiping a God that they have no history with. They're worshiping the God of the Jews, and in ancient times, that's what God was called, the God of the Jews. If you wanted to know God, you would know him primarily through the Jews, the Jewish people. If you wanted to know about Jehovah God, you would ask a Jew. The Jews were the keepers of his law. They were the builders of his temple. They were the heritage of man's understanding of God. So the issue is, can God be trusted because the God of the Jews has appeared to reject the Jews? Does this mean that his promises are void, that his covenants have been abandoned? Is that what this means, that because the Jews had rejected their Messiah and had nailed him to the cross as a blasphemer, Did God now revoke every promise that he had made to the Jews? Were they now no longer his people? This is what we're answering in this chapter, what Paul is answering in this chapter. So the question is, so has God canceled his promises? Has he abandoned his covenants? Well, Paul answers that question in chapter 11, verse 1. So look with me, Romans chapter 11, verse 1. Paul speaking says, I ask then, has God totally rejected and disowned his people? Of course not. Why, I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul asks the question and answers his own question with an unequivocal no. There has always been a remnant and Paul declares, I am one of them. I am one of the remnant. That's what Paul is telling them. I too rejected Christ. I have the complete pedigree. And no one was more zealous in the rejection of Jesus and the persecution of his followers. Yet I have been redeemed. I am one of the remnant. All the promises and the covenants that apply to Paul apply to his people. All the covenants and the promises applied to to Paul, because he was not a proselyte. He was not an adopted Jew. He was the full blown pedigreed Jew, the Jew of Jews. You see, Paul, even as a redeemed disciple of Christ, recognizes that the covenants and the promises towards Israel are yea and amen. He has not disregarded them. Paul declares that God will keep all that he has promised to his people, specifically the elect. Now, Paul is one of the elect, and there are many who will never believe. They will exile themselves from the promises and the covenants of God because they refuse to believe what God has brought them. Look at Romans eleven two. No, God has not rejected and disowned his people whose destiny he marked out and appointed and foreknown from the beginning. Do you not know what Scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? You see, these people were chosen of God, appointed by God's sovereign choice. And it says in this verse that he marks out, he has marked out their destiny. That means that God has literally mapped out the whole of Israel's existence from beginning to end for his own purposes. God has it all worked out in his plan. Does that sound familiar? Well, that is the truth of Israel. God knew. God was not taken aback by Israel's rejection. All the prophets saw the rejection of Israel. It was not inconsistent with Israel's reception of the prophets. God has worked it all out. By the will of God, the covenants and the promises of God will be fulfilled in and for the remnant or the elect of Israel. Now, this verse also tells us that God foreknew them. And that is not a word about predestination. What that word means is that God, before time, before they existed, predetermined to know them, to love them. You see, what might help you is to understand that know, in this sense, literally means to be intimate. It's a knowing, it's an expression of love. In fact, you'll see that throughout the Old Testament when it talks about that Joseph did not know Mary until after the child was born. He's talking about an intimate act, an act of intimacy between a man and a wife. Knowing is talking about intimacy, and it says that God foreknew the children of Israel, or the elect of Israel. And He said, what he is saying is that God, in that place and time, well, before time, determined to love them. He determined to know them. Now, what I love about that is the parallel between that and Philippians 3.10, where Paul says, my determined purpose is to know him you see this is the spirit of god in union with your spirit the new creation that determines to know him determines to enter into an intimate relationship with him and god says as he looks out across time he said this is my people israel i am determined to know them I am determined to love them. And it was his determination. It wasn't based on what Israel did. It wasn't based on their ability to earn or keep the commandments or follow him or even acknowledge him as their God. It was based on God's determination. And let's ask the question. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Has not God been the God of their salvation in each and every time? Has not God been the deliverer? Has not God been the provider? Has not God been the healer? Has not God been the blessing of Israel from beginning of time forward? Has he not? Can this God be trusted? This is the same God that calls you his own. This is the same God that has created you Perfectly lovely in his sight as a new creation that says, This is the one I am determined that will know me. That's why he calls you his bride. Can God be trusted? God foreknew them. And this is what Romans 8, chapter uh, chapter 8, verse 29 speaks of. Speaking of the Christian, he says, For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, the Amplified fills that out for you, he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his Son and share inward his, inwardly his likeness that he might become... The firstborn among the brethren. In other words, I am going to take my son, who is the most lovely, who was literally created to exude the truth of my life and my love, and I am going to make a people in his image that they might be lovely unto me and unto all who behold him, that they might be the love of my life. That's what he says. I have determined this. I determined it before you were ever born. I determined it before you fell. I determined it before you made the mistakes. I determined it before you allowed the world to become your reality. I determined it before all you have done and all you will do. I am determined that you will know me. You were made to know me. This is also what God says concerning the Jew in Deuteronomy 7.6. He says, For you are a holy and set-apart people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people to himself. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, to be a special people unto himself. You know, it's interesting that God holds his relationship with us so tightly. It is so precious to him. And yet there are times when we don't even want to utter his name. When we won't take the time to recognize his presence. When we won't walk in the truth, we would rather let this be our reality. Which speaks of a distant God that one day may be good for us in eternity. But for right now, we'll do the best we can do. That's not what he intended. Now Paul points to Elijah. Elijah cries out to God against Israel because he has lost hope in the plan of God. And remember, this is the same Elijah that stood on that mount and declared that God was greater than Baal. And literally built an altar and in the midst of the drought flooded the altar and said to them that God himself would light the altar. And on the Side of Baal, they had all of these prophets cutting themselves, doing all these things, trying to elicit one response. A singular response that would prove their, that prove their God. And uh, Elijah stood there in absolute confidence, taunting them. Saying, well, perhaps he's in the restroom. Perhaps he's otherwise occupied. All these things he says about their God. And then came his time, and he called out to the God of heaven, and the God of heaven consumed the altar, licked up the flames, consumed the sacrifice, literally scorched the land around it. In a big way, God shows himself to the people of Israel. Well, shortly thereafter, Jezebel (laughs) says, I'm going to kill him. And he runs for his life. And it's at this point, he is completely depressed. He sees this woman, this threat of flesh that is going to take his life out of the hands of the same God who just consumed the altar in fire. He cannot see that God is in control and that God can be trusted because he's blinded by fear and self-protection. He has become unbelieving, and he accuses the whole nation of Israel of deserting God. Romans eleven three, Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. You see, Elijah was convinced that he stood alone because all he could see was himself and his circumstances. It is at this point that God gives him a word, literally a testimony of the remnant. Now, if you can't see yourself in that, then you are blind. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I love my kids. They give a wonderful testimony. But as great as the deliverance and provision of God is in their lives at this moment, the impact that God has made upon them can be Put away in a second. They, like Elijah, can run for the hills under the slightest provocation of the flesh or the threat of circumstances. Well, what's the difference? Why do they stand? Because they chose to stand in faith. They chose to walk in the affirmation of obedience. They chose to embrace the truth. Not every Saturday, but moment by moment, renewing the mind, confessing the truth, and believing and declaring to heaven, I will believe, help my unbelief. I will believe. I will not forsake. I will believe. Determination. You see, remember, faith does not create the work of God. I alone am left, and they seek my life. Now look at Romans eleven four. 4. God gives a testimony to the remnant. He says, but what is God's reply to him? God says, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You see, God reminds Elijah that he is God. He pulls Elijah's focus From himself and his circumstances and the threats of the flesh and says, I have kept to myself. And notice who did the keeping. And notice how they're kept. I have kept to myself. That is true of you. It was true of Elijah. He was part of the remnant. But yet, his his eyes of flesh had literally betrayed him. And all he could see was the circumstances that surrounded him. And self-protection stepped in. And he ran and hid himself. But did that change who he was in the sight of God? Did that yank him out of God's hand who had determined to keep him to himself? Did God not know that Elijah would run in fear and selfishness before he lit the altar but god honored his faith god honored his faith no no god god must have not known or he wouldn't have honored his faith right wrong god knows the whole of your life faith is for you it is for you to participate in the work of god Elijah made a choice and participated in the work of God. Then Elijah made a choice and stepped out from the outside, believing that somehow he had, he had literally extricated himself or God had cast him out of the plan, And now he was vulnerable to the surroundings, the circumstances around him. Can you identify with that? Do you feel like at times that you're on, you're on your own plan, that God is somehow waiting for you to step back into the plan so that he can, he can straighten you out, that somehow you've blown it to the point that God cannot allow you to walk in the truth any longer? Do you ever feel that way? It's a lie. You know what your problem is? How many eyes are in that last sentence? Your problem is your focus. Look to the God who holds you and who keeps you. His plan is determined. He has foreknown you and determined to love you. Elijah's call is to God, save me for I am the last. And God's response is, I am the God who keeps what is mine. God holds this covenant in place by the word of his power. He will not allow the remnant to slip through his hands, even though they've invited hardship and peril through their unbelief. Romans 9, 29. It is as Isaiah predicted. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a seed from which to propagate the descendants, we, Israel, would have fared like Sodom. And have been made like Gomorrah. It is God who has preserved the seed. And kept them to fulfill his plan. It is God who has kept Israel. To bless them in his glorious covenants. And keep them in his promises. And that keeping is in present tense. It is ongoing. He is keeping us. Even when we succumb to fear. Brought on by circumstance. And the threat of flesh. He holds us he holds his own and keeps them to himself romans 11:5 so too at the present time there is still a remnant a small believing minority selected chosen by grace by god's unmerited favor and graciousness now i've heard many people declare that israel is cast aside for they have forsaken god and do not trust his word for them they believe that the jews are cast off but there is a remnant and they are the true Israel. They are all about us. You don't know them. Maybe you do. Anybody here heard of Marty Getz? Well, you know who he is? He's one of the remnant. And there are many others. There are many others. And some who have not yet chosen to believe. But one day, they will choose. And they will come to the Messiah. Who has chosen them. And they'll enter into the promises. And the covenants. And all that God has promised to do. Through Israel. And for Israel. And by Israel. Has not been cancelled. Or set aside. For he is a God. Who keeps his word. And can be trusted. See Israel. Israel. Israel is the fountain through which flows the blessings of the earth. Well, where did Jesus come from? Where did his word come from? God chose them. We all know and understand that the truth is received through revelation, that we through the spirit of truth gain understanding. And the spirit of truth is ever about us, and he is calling upon every heart. And those who choose the Messiah even now are joined to the remnant. Well, they're already considered a part, but they get to participate. Romans eleven six, but it is, But if it is by grace, his unmerited favor and graciousness, it is no longer conditioned on works or anything men, Have done otherwise, grace will no longer be grace, it would be meaningless. You see, grace in election is the work of God alone. And I want you to understand something God's choosing of Israel was grace, God's covenants to Israel was grace, God's promises to Israel was grace. Israel did not earn anything. All of it came through grace, by faith. And he continues with that same economy, our nothing for his everything. God chose Israel long before Israel had the capacity to choose him. God foreknew Israel before Israel could return his love. This should give you a picture of God's heart. You see God in Genesis 12 through 15, and then throughout the Old Testament, you see God making promise after promise after promise, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to call you out, and you're going to be my own, and I'm going to take... And it just... The excitement, the enthusiasm of God's heart of love for his people is the same heart he has for you. And it, it just reminds me of newlyweds and and talking to each other, and we're going to get a house, and we're going to have kids, and we're we're going to do this, and it's all this excitement. And it's God declaring to Israel his love, and he says, I'm going to keep you, I'm going to protect you. And look at him as he brings the children of Israel out of Egypt. Look at his care. Look at his nurture. Look at his tenderness. Look at the wrath of his protection. This is the God who can be trusted. Everything that God has declared in his word concerning Israel, concerning the people of God, concerning you, he holds and he keeps. And it will be done. He has declared them his own even to this day. Romans eleven seven. What then shall we conclude? Israel failed to obtain what God sought, God's favor by obedience to the law. Only the elect, those chosen few, obtained it, while the rest of them became callously indifferent, blinded, hardened, and made insensible to it. What shall we conclude? Israel failed to obtain what it sought. What was Israel seeking? Well, they sought to be accepted by God on the basis of works. They were rebellious and refused to know God through faith. And the key word there is to know him. Even as he reached out to them, they declared they wanted separation. Give us a key. They did not want to be intimate with God. He wanted an intimate relationship, and they gave him the brush off, so to speak.
1: Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m at 7015 Orsbach Road If you would like to help support this ministry send your tax deductible donation to His Life Ministries P.O. Box 1894 Bernie, Texas 78006 And finally, this coming week our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember wherever you go, whatever you do the hope of glory is Christ in you.